Roger Sylvie. I'm part of the Sylvie clan that goes have allows my sister. Camping out and vacation. Times I was thinking back the last time I spoke to you, probably, I guess, probably two years ago, when I spoke for a 50th anniversary of my uh, time when I surrendered to preach in Virginia some years ago. And I didn't realize that until I got to thinking about. May be doing that. But anyway, I hope this morning that what I have to say will be something that will stir your heart and your mind. Have your Bibles. <clears throat> Turn to John chapter 5. John chapter 5, verses 1 through verse 11. I had a title for this message this morning. It would be, <clears throat> it's not about our religion about our relationship. As I look here in John chapter 5, we find that Jesus is going about his ministry. He has come to the city of Jerusalem. He's been in Galilee for some time doing ministry, doing what he did in miracles, healing, and so forth like that. And now he comes to Jerusalem for one of As he came, he came through the city. He stopped there at the pool of Bethsaida, and there was a man healed. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. Read with me, if you would, here in chapter 5 of John, John chapter 5, verse 1. After these, there was a feast of the Jews. Jesus went up to Jerusalem, and now there at Jerusalem, by the sheep market, a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue, Bethsaida, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season <clears throat> unto the pool and troubled the water, whatsoever then, whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatever disease had. A certain man was there, which was an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been there a long time, in that case he said unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but when I'm coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and took up his bed, and walked. And on that same day was the Sabbath. And the Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, Is it the Sabbath day? It is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. And he answered them, He that made me whole, the same said unto me, Take up thy bed and walk. 
Father, we come again this morning asking to guidance and Lord, for your help to proclaim your message, the word this morning. God, as we sit here in this place of worship, may we search our heart and our minds in a way, God, to realize that it's not about our religion, it's about our relationship. Dear God, our minds and our lives are so cluttered with so many things. Help us, God, to understand that the greatest need we have for overcoming. Pray, Lord, you would just lead and direct in your precious name. We ask these things. It's not about our religion, but it's about our relationship. The story here is not about the healing, but it's about false religion. You have to understand that the leaders at that time, they had spent days or the past years that Jesus had begin his ministry. Their goal was to take him out. Kill him. That's what their goal was. He claimed to be the Messiah. And what the real problem was, more than him being just the Messiah or, or claiming that, but what the problem was, he was reigning on their parade religiously. In other words, the leaders of the Jewish religions, the scribes and the Pharisees, they had so overwhelmed the people with rules and regulations and just on and on and on you go that, that, you know, you couldn't do anything without it being wrong. So Jesus has come to, you might say, Jesus came to stir up strife and discontent. That's what I told Jim. I said, Jim, if everything goes good, maybe I'll stir up strife and discontent. And when you come back, you'll have something to do. And he said, don't do that to me, all right, in that degree. But that's what Jesus did. That's what he would do. And if you read on down in that passage of Scripture, you find there that that, that was their desire was to take him out or to kill him. Why? Because he was reigning on their religion. There's a battle going on for our soul, people. Ephesians 6 and verse 12 says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against rulers in darkness in high places. There's a spiritual war going on for our soul, but the problem is we are busy living in the flesh. I ask you a question this morning. What are you doing here? Why did you come? Why did I come? What's our purpose? As I continue to serve the Lord and, and go about my life in a different direction with the passing of my wife past, last, this past June, I find that, that my desire more and more is that as I live daily, Lord, just help me to, to worship you or to serve you spiritually. Now, why do I say it that way? Because problems are going to happen Struggles are going to continue. Difficulties are going to be there. 
pressures of life are going to affect you. And the greatest need we have is the need to find a rest for our soul. Jesus had spent this time teaching and healing and doing miracles. And yet after all of, all of that, the religious battle was at a point of, of it was just a battle of tooth and nail. In other words, everywhere he went, there would be there someone to criticize or complain or to question. And the problem was, even though he was doing ministries, if you study the Bible, after the three-year period, how many had he won and how many had really come to the place of surrender to the fact that he was the Messiah? For the multitudes that were healed, for the miracles that was done, the numbers would have been small in, in that degree. Why? Because it was about their religion and not about their relationship. And what God wants us to do, or what Jesus was trying to do in that time, he was trying to say, look, I've come that you might have eternal life. It's not about the stuff that we are doing, but it's what we have in our heart. And that is, do we know Jesus Christ <coughs> as our personal Savior? Are we, <coughs> are we living a life? That's pleasing to God. What is your relationship with him? Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7 and 8 says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Verse 8 says, For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall reap a spirit of everlasting life. Satan is waging a war for the soul and mind of you and I, but here's what he's doing. He's winning the war for our soul and mind because he has us focused on the flesh. Have you ever listened to the prayer request, and, and I'm not trying to be critical, but much of our praying is about physical need. When are we going in our life to realize, you know, life's tough and there's going to be struggles. But God, give me wisdom, <coughs> give me knowledge to be able to overcome. And so this morning as I present to you this message, the thing that I want you to notice is six things. The number one is this, notice the place. Place is in the, in the temple, <coughs> a place of worship. It says that he came to the feast in Jerusalem. He had been doing ministry in Galilee. <coughs> and there as he come, he had come back to the feast that he was supposed to do because he was following the religious directions that were given in the Old Testament. He was keeping the Sabbath. He was keeping the feast, whatever one it might have been. He was doing those things. But as he come to Jerusalem came into the temple, and in coming to the temple, he came to this place that was called the Pool of Bethsaida. And the scripture says, as we read it, 
in verse 1 and verse 2, it was a place where multitudes would come hoping that they would be the first one in the pool that they might be healed. Miracle in the water. As I study and I look at that, I begin to realize more. And if you study and look at it, you'll find that much of it was a myth or a hope or a thought. Some years ago, we got to go, the wife and I got to go over to New Zealand on a trip. And, and there are mineral springs over there, hot springs that, that they say are there that helps you. You know, if you'll get in them and you'll do it regularly, that it will help you. But we did it once. There were different temperatures of water. And being who I am, I couldn't stay in one. I just had to go one, you know, every one. I thought, well, I'll try them all. Maybe one of them will work, you know, in that degree. Well, the point that I'm making is the people would come and the multitudes would come. And they would hope to be the very first one in the pool. Realize if you read the scripture in verse 3 and verse 4, the last part of verse 3 and 4, in the original scripture, those scriptures, those verses are omitted. They had been added to possibly in that degree, but here's what I'm trying to share with you. <clears throat> you have to excuse me for my cough. What I'm trying to share with you is this. Many times what we are doing, we are trying all the gimmicks. We are trying to figure out a new way to worship, a new way to serve. I mean, I have an iPhone. and I don't know if it listens to me or not. You know, I'm always thinking about uh, losing weight, being slimmer, and, and I'm amazed at all the weight loss stuff that is on my phone. Are you people all trying that? Let me know, okay? You don't have to tell me now. Say, yeah, I've tried those gummies. Yeah, I've tried that vinegar and water. Yeah, and it don't, I'm just going to leave it at that. I haven't, I'm just, so what I learned a long time ago, as one pharmacist told me in his church, I was talking about losing weight. He sat down about three pews from the front, and he sat there doing this. This, and I'm thinking, what are you doing? <clears throat> Being me as I am, I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm telling you, push away from the table. That's how you lose weight. Push away from the table. It's not a gimmick. We are trying to find a gimmick to get close to God. But what we need to do is we need to realize that we come to church, we come to the place of worship, and we do this, 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 and this, and we say, boy, I've done it all. This ought to work for me. Jesus said, search the scripture. You can read the book all day long. You can study it all day long, but until we get our spirit right with God, until we surrender our all to him spiritually, and we're never going to find the peace that we need. The people, the multitudes. My friend, there are people who need help every day. I could talk about the sick, the diseased. I mean, on and on we go. We know people with cancer and diseases and sickness. It's, a, it's overwhelming the numbers. 
what people more than need more than that. Isn't it unique that out of this multitude of people, Jesus focuses on one man? Not the multitude that was there. Could have walked by and said, be ye healed. And all of them would have been healed. But instead, he looked at one individual. You see, this message this morning could be a message for just one individual here this morning. And as he walked through the pool in that place that they were at, he looked at this one individual and he asked a question. Out be made. I ask you that question this morning. What do we have to do, or what do we need to do, that we might have a spiritual rest for our soul? What do we have to do that we might find ourselves in a position to have comfort and peace? Because, friend, you're still going to have struggle and hardship and pain and hurt in life. But when you have the grace of God covering you, as Tim sang different songs, he talked about the thing about the mercy of God and the goodness of God. And the thing is, is those are things that we have on the inside. That in Matthew chapter 11, verse 30, he said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. <coughs> Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And listen to the last part, and you shall find rest for your soul. He asked one individual. Always going to have hardships. We are always going to have difficulties. But what we must be willing to do is realize that Jesus is saying to us, as I gave you Matthew 11, that if we come, coming by faith, coming by obedience, coming by trust, and hoping and believing that God will carry us through. But here was the problem. Mission was, wilt thou be made whole? But here's the problem. Verse 7, and the man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Here's the problem. Gimmick or, or an idea or something. And the problem is this, is he had bought into the deception. There are many religions that tell us to do this, 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 and this, or don't do this, or don't do that, and on and on you can go. In the past couple years since my life has changed, not only just because of the wife passing, but as I had retired from the pastorate at a church that I was at, and I have begun filling into different churches and going to different churches at different times. The thing that I find is this. People are looking for truth. 
And the truth is, we must come to him by faith. About a week after my wife passed away, that long, after three years of battling a brain tumor, sitting out on my porch feeling sorry for myself. I'm crippled per se. I fell off a roof back in 2020 on election day and I broke my left leg, broke my right ankle, and I broke my right wrist. So you see me kind of hobbling around, that's because I'm, <laughs> I'm broken. You know? but man, I'm a whole lot better than I used to be, let me tell you this. I, mean, I walked up those steps. Every day I hurt. So I'm <clears throat> sitting there on the porch. I hurt physically because of what I've done. I hurt because I've lost my wife a week before. I don't know what I'm going to do. We were married 46 years. I'm sitting out there going to feel sorry for myself. Well, what do I do? Have you ever seen the movie, I think it's called Shawshank Redemption. It's got Morgan Freeman in it. It is a about being in prison. The guy that he's buddies with, he's been framed. Break out of jail. And one day he tells Morgan Freeman, get busy living or get busy. And that has become my motto. And that day, I hadn't eaten much for a week, just, you know, because, number one, when you've got a wife who can cook, you've got it made. Amen? I had a wife that could cook. I have to learn how to cook, and I'm no good at it. And I got up after that thought come to my mind, Roger, get busy living or get busy dying. And I decided at that point right there that I wasn't going to waller in the past, but I was going to try to go forward by faith in the future. See, the problem in we are, we, we are caught up in the deception. are led to believe that doom and gloom and agony on high. It may be, but it can't be in your soul. Jesus asked the man, wilt thou be made whole? Might we be like the psalmist David in Psalms 139 when he said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. The problem is this, we are so caught up in the flesh, all of our physical problems, we don't realize that there's a God that, that wants more than just, wants one thing, and all he needs or all he desires is to speak and lead us by faith based through the word of God. 
notice fifth, a powerful statement. Jesus didn't say a lot. <clears throat> Do you realize that? Jesus didn't say a lot. He, uh, he spoke it, and that was it. He looked at the man, and he said, Wilt thou be made whole? How long did it take to get from that statement to the next statement? Here in the next verse, verse 8. Hour, two hours, one, two, three years? Maybe just a couple of seconds, who knows? But what did Jesus say to him in verse 8? After he made excuses of the problem, well, sir, nobody's here to help me. But when I try to get up, somebody beats me there. I just, I just can't win. Jesus didn't say, well, bless your heart. And he didn't look at everybody else and say, from now on, you wait till he gets in. He's number one. Nope. What did Jesus say? Why? Because Jesus is concerned about the spiritual needs of man. And he said to this man, the powerful statement was this, arise, take up thy bed, and walk. Now you say, Roger, that's physical. Yes, it is. But relate that to spiritual. There's a time that we need to arise from our doldrum spiritually, seek a right relationship with a heavenly Father, get busy living for Him. Arise. Take up thy bed. In other words, go against the rituals of life. Go against what we're told you got to do this or this or this and trust God and follow him. And by the way, <clears throat> Jesus did this knowing that when he told that man to take up thy bed, he broke one of the rules that the Pharisees had put in we already read in verse 10 and 11 who do you not realize that you are doing manual labor on the Sabbath do you not know that this is the Sabbath do you know you're not supposed to be healed you're breaking the rules and I liked his answer as he arose picked up his bed and what did he do he walked he moved away from his past is there some of us need to turn our back to our past and leave it there? There are some of us who probably need to plead with God to help us become overcomers by faith. And when we start having our pity party, our negativity, or whatever it might be that's drawing us backwards, that we grab our tongue and say no more. Rise, pick up our bed, and walk away from the past. What are you going to get with that? Well, let's see what he got. You see, they came right to him. Verse 10, and the Jews therefore said unto him, that was cured. Isn't it neat how we like to rain on somebody's afraid of Somebody rededicates their life, somebody comes to know Jesus, somebody joins the church or whatever, and the first thing we seem to do is there are those who want to want to criticize and complain, well, yeah, but. And they want to do this and that, and, and they want to be negative, and, 
And they want to they talk a good talk, but in reality, they're just a hindrance. And the first thing that came from the religious leader's mouth was this. It is the Sabbath day. It is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. I like verse 11. And he answered them, He that made me whole, the same said, Take up to me, take up thy bed and walk. I don't know what your rules are, but that guy told me to arise, pick it up, and walk out, and look what I'm doing. I'm going to trust him over you. Always be the petty one. doesn't matter what happens. There's always going to be the critic and the What I encourage you to do today I get to you. Not about our religion, but it's what relationship are you having with On a daily basis, are we caught up in the stuff? Sure, we're reading our Bible. Sure, we're praying. Sure, we're having devotional time. But is any of that changing us spiritually. Do we have, as David said, or David also, but <clears throat> you will find rest for your soul. I have found in the past year That's what you and I can you be yes number one so his word by faith not the rituals Have the courage. How you're going to lead.
coming. May God bless.